We're going to conclude our um, Advent sermon series this morning. And uh, we've been looking at songs that we find around the, the birth of Jesus. So uh, we've looked at Elizabeth's song. Uh, we looked at Mary's song, Zechariah's song. Last Sunday, we looked at the angel's song. And this morning, we're going to spend some time looking at Simeon's song, which is found in Luke chapter 2. And we're going to read from verse 25 down to verse 38. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation, uh, revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. And his, this, and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. And so the, that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And we'll just finish there this morning, actually, just verse 35. Since I've been here, like I said, I've always wanted us to end the, the year by, by looking back and thanking the Lord. And, and actually, I was thinking, you know, should we do it this morning? It's been a difficult year again. And, and I thought, this is probably the best time to do it. This is the best time to be able to do this. Because if we can't thank God in the most difficult of times, our joy is circumstantial. We thought last week about how the joy that the angels pronounce, this good news of great joy, that it's not circumstantial, but it's deep-rooted in salvation. And our salvation is never taken away from us. So the joy that we have from the Lord is always there, even in the most difficult of times. Now, that doesn't diminish the troubles that we go through. I know for many of us here, it has been a really hard year. And I don't want to diminish the hardships or, or just gloss over them and pretend that they aren't there because they are. Life sucks sometimes. It is really hard. It sometimes it's just really rubbish. It's really difficult. But this morning, I want us to elevate God above our difficulties. I want us to lift him to the place that is rightly his. And to our, uh, the hills lift our eyes. So this morning we're going to look at Simeon's song. And Simeon's song actually finishes off very well for us. If, I would love to be able to take the credit for this. But it just happened to fall because God is sovereign and he is, his plans are always good. Uh, this, is, this wasn't me working very well and trying to plan that Simeon's song, which was a song of thanksgiving, would fall on the service where we look at giving thanks to the Lord this morning. That's just the way the Lord works. And this is what he wanted us to look at this morning. But this is the only dealings that we have with Simeon in 
Scripture. And Luke doesn't tell us much about him. He doesn't tell us about his credentials or about his, his job or his occupation or his, his family status or anything like that. Luke tells us simply just a couple of things, and they're to do with Simeon's character. To do with his character. He tells us that he was righteous and devout. He tells us about his standing with the Lord. He tells us that about his relationship with God. And friends, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your CV looks like. It doesn't matter how much money you have coming in a month. It doesn't matter about whether you have a big family, a little family, no family. That doesn't matter. What matters really is your standing before the Lord, how you stand before him. And we read here that Simeon, he was righteous and he was devout. He was someone who walked with the Lord. And actually, we see in these, these verses that we've read that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is mentioned a few times. So the Holy Spirit filling him wasn't a one-off event because actually it was revealed to him as well that he wouldn't die before he saw the Lord's Christ. So this is someone who walked closely with the Lord throughout his life and who knew the presence of God's Spirit drawn near to him on multiple occasions. So Simeon, we read verse 25, he's a righteous and devout man, and we read that he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now this is just a, another way of basically saying that he was waiting for the coming of the Messiah. He was waiting for God's chosen one, the Lord's Christ, as it is also mentioned here, the Lord's anointed one, the one that God had promised. But I think it's a really fascinating way that Luke phrases and, and, and how he puts this. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel. So the words used here in the Greek, they are related to or, and closely linked to how, I think it's John in John's gospel, what he uses to describe when Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will come and he talks about this comforter. It's the same word, or very closely linked in the Greek. Consolation, the consolation of Israel. And then we see later on about the Holy Spirit coming, that he would be the comforter. He'd be the one who consoles. He'd bring solace. And I think that's quite a fascinating way that we have described here about the coming of Jesus. The consolation of Israel. But this word isn't just about comfort. It's not just that he's going to come and, you know, put his arms around us and make us feel nice and warm. God does bring comfort to us. But it's not just about that. The kind of comfort we think of when we think of comfort. The comfort here, the consolation here has legal overtones within this word in Greek. And, and what it's to do with is, is calling someone to, to one's aid. It's when you're in need of help, when you call for help from someone. But when we start to think of legal things and we think of calling for help, you might be thinking of, you know, when you, get to, when you go to prison or jail and you have your one phone call and you phone your lawyer and you say, look, I'm in real bother here. You need to come and get me out of this difficulty. But again, that's not what this word means because in this word, there's a real intimacy within it. So there's legal overtones, there's kind of solace that's brought, but there's also intimacy within this word. I wonder if you've ever had a phone call from a family or friend and they've been in real need. 
and you've been the one that they've called and said, look, I need you to help me out here. And, and, and they're asking out of a place of, of love. There's, there's intimacy within that. And in this consolation of Israel, within this consoler that would come, we have Jesus who comes to our aid. He comes to redeem us from the curse of the law. He fulfills the law for us. And he does it because for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. But this word as well has everything to do with redemption. It's got everything to do with redemption and salvation. There was many who would have been waiting for the consolation of Israel in Simeon's day. There were many who were waiting for the, the Lord's chosen one who would come, but they would have been waiting and looking for something very different from Simeon. They were looking for, which was quite often the traditional expectation, the political freedom, that, that this Lord's chosen Messiah would come and he would liberate them from oppression from the Romans. But that's not what Simeon is waiting here. He's waiting for God's salvation. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation in verse 33. So how did Simeon know who this child was? Because you don't read of anything spectacular happening when, when Jesus and Mary and Joseph walk into the temple. We don't read of like angels descending or the, the, the sky splitting or, or a light shining upon Jesus and a loud voice beaming. We don't read of anything like that. So how did Simeon know? Well, there's something that we have seen, a pattern we've seen throughout all of the songs we've looked at from a human point of view. Not the angel songs, but with Mary's song, Elizabeth's song, Zechariah's song, and Simeon's song this morning. And the thing that they have in common, other than speaking about Jesus, is the origin of their song. The activity of the Holy Spirit upon each one of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary was filled when, when the, the, the Holy Spirit uh, conceived the child within her. We read of Elizabeth and John both being filled with the Holy Spirit. Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see here Simeon as well. He was someone who had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. We see the activity of the Holy Spirit present within the nativity. But often we don't really think of the Holy Spirit um, being active and revealing to people what was happening. Just as we see the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit active within the creation narrative where God, the Father, spoke the word Logos. And the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters. We have the Trinity active in the inauguration of the Messianic age for God's redemption plan to be unleashed in this world. Where God the Father sends His Son the Word made flesh. And we see here the Holy Spirit active, filling people, revealing to people what was happening. It's how they knew. It's how they knew what God was doing because the Holy Spirit was revealing to them. Revelation tells us that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Or as the New Living Translation puts it, which is, a, I think, a more clearer way for us to understand it. The essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. 
The essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. And that's what we see through Elizabeth, through Mary, through Zechariah, and now through Simeon. The Holy Spirit is revealing to them prophetic words to speak and to sing, which testify and witness to who Jesus was, what he had come to do, and who he had come for. And we see a clear and very important point here. The importance of the activity of the Holy Spirit in an individual's heart. There would have been others who were waiting for the consolation of Israel. Others who were waiting for the messianic age to be birthed and to come and to be unleashed in this world. There would have been others who would have known the Old Testament as much as Simeon and maybe even more. But it wasn't them standing, declaring and singing in this moment. But it was Simeon. And his tongue moves not because of his moral piety, but because of the activeness of the Holy Spirit in his life. Now this is the fifth person to have the Holy Spirit fill them that we've seen throughout the last few weeks. Elizabeth, John the Baptist, Mary, Zechariah, and now Simeon. There's a pattern at work here. It's not a one-off event. That's five times it's now happened. Why is this important? Well, I think what it shows us is some of the first fruits of what the coming of God's kingdom would bring to this world. We've seen it a few times. We saw with the shepherds when they're the first ones who are told and they go and what we see and was often spoken of is, is that God has come not for those who are in the palaces and in the rich places in this life, but he's come for the broken, he's come for the marginalized, he's come for the oppressed, he's come for those in the outskirts of society. We see that the wise men or the magi come and often what we speak of there is that we see that through God's kingdom that, that this isn't just for Israel but actually it's for those outside God's covenant people. This is bigger than Israel. This is for all peoples. And what do we see here with the activeness of the Holy Spirit within these five individuals' lives? I think what we see is a glimpse into Isaiah 61, the year of the Lord's favor. That it's about to begin. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I think as well, if you allow me to take it maybe even a step further, we see a glimpse. The slightest of glimpses into the prophecy of Joel chapter 2, even in this very moment, which would one day reach its climax at Pentecost. That the Holy Spirit would be poured out on men and women. And look what Simeon does when he sees the Christ child. Verse 28. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, what's the first thing that Simeon does? He doesn't speak. It's not his first point of call. The first thing he does is he touches. He picks up the child. And this phrase took Jesus or um, he took him up in his arms and blessed took him up is there's a play on words within this moment they're playing on words here where in the Greek what is really happening and, and, and what it's showing in this play on words is that Simeon took up the consolation of Israel that basically he's picking up the promises of God 
which is quite a, an incredible thing to think, that he's receiving the consolation. He's receiving the Messiah. That's what the plain words is here. So it's not just about Simeon picking up Jesus and giving him a good cuddle, but actually about Simeon receiving or accepting Jesus, the long-awaited one. And Simeon, in a way, is a symbol of God's people welcoming and receiving the redemption plan that God had birthed into this world. And it makes me think of John chapter 1. You know that those verses where it talks about the word becoming flesh. And then later on in, in verse 12, it says that, that all who received him and believed in his name, he's given the right to become the children of God. And then Simeon speaks, and what he says is he blesses God, and it's like an eruption of thanksgiving, relief, and praise all in one. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. You can hear the relief in this very moment. Finally, God, finally your promises are coming to fruition. Finally, I'm getting to catch a glimpse of the Christ child myself. I was wondering what example I could use for us this morning to try and just even slightly describe the relief that Simeon is feeling in this moment. And then I didn't have to look very far because I then picked up my mask to go out somewhere. And I thought, man, I can't wait for the day when these things are gone. I can't wait for the day when there's no longer COVID restrictions upon us. Can you imagine what that day is going to be like when there's no more COVID restrictions placed on us? Sometimes I wonder whether I'm even going to see that day because it feels like we've been in this for so long. Times that by a million, times a million. And you'd probably get close to the relief that Simeon is now feeling. Because he's seen the Messiah with his own eyes. And it's been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. And, and what Simeon is saying here in verse 29 is, Lord, I can now die a happy man. I can now die a happy man. I'm ready to die because you fulfilled your promise. I've seen your salvation with my own eyes. There's a real sense of thanksgiving in these words. For my eyes have seen your salvation, he says in verse 30. Simeon had been given the blessing of seeing the Christ child with his own eyes. And salvation here is further playing on this consolation of Israel. And that's how we know that it's not, a, it's not really political that, that Simeon's speaking of here. He's speaking in terms of redemption and, and salvation of God's people. You know the saying at the heart of the human problem is the, the problem of the human heart. Well, friends, at the heart of the Christmas story is the solution to the human heart. At the heart of the Christmas story is the solution to the human heart. Jesus born to bring salvation to a people who lived in darkness. And then we have something that I just... I've been thinking about a lot this week. Verse 31, that you prepared in the presence of all peoples. Now, he's speaking about salvation here. 
the salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples. Prepared here be defined as to make the necessary preparations. I wonder how prepared you were for yesterday, Christmas Day. Some of you looking at one another. I wonder how prepared you were yesterday. Was there anything you forgot? We forgot to take the pudding out of the freezer and defrost it before we came to church. I say we, but it was really Becca that forgot it because I didn't even know they were in the freezer. But that's another conversation and problem. I wonder how prepared you were yesterday. We were walking through Brayhead last week, just getting a few bits of pieces, few bits and pieces. One thing we had to pick up, and there was a family in front of us, and they started this full-blown argument. This is on the, the eve of Christmas Eve, so Thursday, because the, what they were looking for wasn't any shops here, and we were just going to have to go into the town. And the, the, I think it was the, the mum just went mental. No, we're not going to the, the town on, on the eve of Christmas Eve. You know, you should have been prepared and all this kind of stuff. And it made me feel a bit nauseous about having to go out into Glasgow city centre on Christmas Eve's Eve. How prepared were you yesterday? Our God is so prepared. All the hopes and fears of all the years we sing are met in thee tonight. Everything, all the promises, all the prophetic words, the right people in the right place, in the right moment, the stars aligned to even guide wise men from afar to bring them to the right place. Everything, every bit of the perfect jigsaw puzzle in the right place. But you know what blows my mind? Is that in that preparation, he was thinking about your salvation. He was thinking about your redemption. Drawing all these things into the right place. And even beyond the manger, still preparing the way, preparing the places, preparing the people, preparing the right thing. Maybe some of you went to hear Billy Graham. God was preparing that very moment to draw you to that time so you could hear the gospel in the right moment from the right person in the right way so that you could give your heart to the Lord because he prepares the way for his people. He makes necessary the preparations for your salvation and your redemption. And sometimes we wonder, sometimes we have the audacity to even dare to think and question, does God love me? Does he love me? And sometimes when we ask that question, I, I think God would, would say, are you for real? Have you seen the extent I've gone to, to call you my own? The preparations I've made, the things I've done, the, the dots I've joined together so that I could call you to myself. If only we knew all that he has done, all the necessary preparations he's made so you could be called a child of God this morning. Even from before the foundations of the earth, he was making necessary the preparations for the salvation of his people. 
And we see this beautiful link between Simeon's song and Zechariah's song. I forgive you if, if you've forgotten, but two weeks ago when I was speaking about Zechariah's song, we spent time playing with the word visited. And, and we, we teased out how actually um, it, it points to one's oversight. And, and it's speaking about God's oversight over his people. And we talked about how when you go and visit someone, you go to see them. So in visiting, there's a, there's a seeing that, that takes place. And we talked about God's oversight of his people. Let me tell you, because of God's vision, we see, we know, and we can trust in his provision. Because of his vision, we can know his provision. In his oversight, we see his provision. He doesn't just see where you are, but he makes the way for you to get to where he is. He clears the paths. He clears the obstacles. He gets rid of sin. He placed it on Jesus. And in his vision, there's his provision. And he makes way and he prepares and he makes necessary the preparations for his people. There's a beautiful version, Proverbs, that says, The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Friends, God is still going before you this morning. He's still preparing the way. Jesus has gone to what? Prepare a place. He's still in the business of preparation and making necessary the preparations for you and for me. But this time, it's not for our salvation. But he's gone to prepare the place where we can be with him forever. And Simeon shows us a really important point. A point that, that many Jews and people in Israel that they missed. That this is in the presence of all peoples. And this is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That this was going beyond God's chosen people, Israel. That his heart and his plan was for those outside. They weren't just to be the recipients of God's blessings. But they were also to be the conduits of God's blessings. I, ha I have this phrase that I like to say that we're blessed to bless. We're blessed to blessed. Sandy Hills isn't the end of the line, friends. You aren't the end of the line. If you could think, and maybe Ian will correct me if, if, if I've got my, my BT telecom stuff wrong. But we aren't meant to be the telephone point in the house. We're not the last point on the line. But we're meant to be the junction box on the street. Still flowing the blessings of God to those that we meet. Sharing the gospel with people that we know. Telling them of the risen Jesus and all that Jesus has done. But so many of us become the telephone point and it stops with us. We're blessed to bless. We're going to be conduits of God's blessings. Flowing them out to our community. And my prayer is that actually in this new year that we're about to embark on. That we tell more people about Jesus in 2022 than we have in all the other years put together. Because there's people going to hell, friends. There's people going to a lost eternity. And we have the answer. 
Many of us carry it in our hearts. Many of us pray to him every morning and every night. And what would it look like for us to no longer be the telephone point in our community, but to be the junction box that actually we just can't stop but telling people about Jesus. You know, God's blessing flows to us, but they just flow out from us. That our community become alive to the blessings of God, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the love of God the Father, to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the fellowship, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And Simeon speaks in verse 34 about this child who's appointed for the fall and the rising of many. This word rising is usually referred to as resurrection. And here we bring our Christmas series to an end, friends. And we see the dual outcome of the gospel. That there's those who hear it, reject it, their hearts are hardened, and they fall. But there's those who hear it, receive it, believe in it, and our hope is that we will rise, that we will know resurrection, because the Christ child is our resurrection. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So what will you do with this Christmas story? If you know Jesus this morning, and your hope is that one day you will rise and be with him, are we going to continue to hoard it? Or are we going to be like that junction box and let it flow from us? But if we don't know Jesus this morning, are we going to receive it? And believe in it and have the hope of the gospel. Or are we going to reject it? Because by doing nothing, it's still rejecting it. And as we come to the end of another year, Lord, we thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your Christ. We thank you for your preparations that you have made. Even with us in mind. Lord, that you have chosen us, that we are your elect, that in your sovereignty, Lord, you called us by your grace and your mercy. We thank you for the preparations that you have made, for the people that you placed in our lives, for the Sunday school teachers who planted the wee seeds as the years went on. Lord, we pray for the children and young people, Lord. We pray that you would be already preparing them for a day where they profess and confess Christ Jesus as their Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you've gone to prepare a place for us to be with you forever. We thank you for the gospel and the hope of the gospel that one day that we will rise, that we will be resurrected, that we will know that life and life in all of its fullness. We will see you in all of your glory. But Lord, for those of us who don't know you this morning, would you call us by name? Would we believe in you, call out to you, and know the truth of the gospel this morning? For we ask these things in Christ's precious name.